Hello. How are you all? Hard to believe it's the end of January already, isn't it? But just think another month gone, another month closer to us all seeing each other again. I wonder if anyone's made any New Year's resolutions this year. January is the month, isn't it? Eat less, exercise more, spend less, read more, go on social media less, sleep more. You know the score. I read an amusing resolution the other day. It said, my goal in 2021 is to accomplish the goals I said in 2020, which should have been done in 2019 because I made a promise in 2018, which I planned in 2017. <laughs> my guess is a bit like that. For all of us, the success of these resolutions is a bit of a mixed bag. <clears throat> and I think the big reason for that is because keeping them is totally dependent on us on our motivation, on our effort, on our perseverance. And in, in our lives as followers of Jesus, it's, it's easy with the best of intentions to adopt a, a similar approach, isn't it? At the start of a new year, we, we make our must-try-harder list, help more people, pray more, read the Bible more, love people more. Does that sound a wee bit familiar? It's even possible that this approach can also subconsciously creep into our thinking as we embrace our all-in recommitment together. My guess and experience is that adopting this everything-depends-on-me approach has the same outcome as with New Year's resolutions, and that is ultimately disappointment when we don't achieve what it is that we'd hoped we would achieve. And whilst this approach is very much the cultural norm here in the West, that everything depends on me approach, it definitely isn't God's intention for us. So let's take a look at what God's better way is today. Let's have a look in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and I'm going to read the first four verses. Here's what we read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the gift of your word, the enduring word of, of yours that comes alive by your spirit when we read it. We thank you for your interest in each of us, for your ability to apply your word to us individually. So we pray we would be ready to hear that. Thank you too that we're part of we're part of a collective body together. We're part of the part of your church known as Central, and we thank you for the privilege that that is too. So whilst we listen for your voice for us individually, we listen to you for what that means for us together. 
as part of your body here together in this time and in this city. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love for us. And we're here ready and willing and open for you to speak to us and change us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This prophecy points through the ages to God's Messiah, to his anointed one, to Jesus Christ. In fact, in fact, Jesus' ministry on earth was inaugurated when he read these very words. He, he unfurled the, the scroll in the, in the synagogue and he told those listening after he read it that that day, this age-old scripture had been fulfilled before their very eyes. Imagine being there that day. So with that in mind, it's clear to see that the me referred to in the passage is in fact Jesus. It's always helpful for us to, to see who, who do we identify with? How do I identify with passages of scripture that we read? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And that me is, is Jesus. It's also clear then to see that if Jesus is the me, then you and I are the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners and the mourners. That's us. And Jesus' calling was to bring deliverance to them and to us, culminating in the deliverance of all mankind from the inherent human condition of sin. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, sin and death were completely defeated. Forgiveness was offered freely to anyone and everyone who would accept, who would acknowledge their need of it. And then that deliverance was also enabled. That wasn't all though, there is more, and, and this is crucial. That forgiveness and that deliverance leads to more. And I love how that more is conveyed in the imagery in, in verse four. This is what we read there. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord for the display of his glory. And that's, that's a description, oaks of righteousness. That's a description of those of us who have accepted that forgiveness and that deliverance that Jesus gave. Oaks of righteousness, firmly rooted, growing, flourishing, providing shelter and shade. And that's our purpose too, a planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. That's why we're here to glorify God for his glory as a display of that glory. After forgiveness and deliverance comes transformation, ongoing transformation. You see, forgiveness of sin isn't the end. It's the means to us living out the righteousness of God by faith. So transforming us more and more and more into Jesus likeness. And that's a tremendous thought, isn't it? God's righteousness, his very character displayed in us, brings glory to him. That's his desire to display his character in us, to change us bit by bit. And that little phrase by faith is so crucial here. We live out God's righteousness by faith. We, we know that it's by faith that we accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers, but it's then then it's easy for us to go it alone. 
It's easy to try and do the good works, the good deeds, because we know that that's expected of us, but it's very easy to do that in our own strength. And in doing so, we short circuit God's power. We substitute our strength for his, and that really isn't a very good substitution. Imagine your car represents your life. Stay with me here. And when we accept Jesus' forgiveness and deliverance, we invite him into our car. And that's just the beginning. The aim is that Jesus will be driving our car, using the pedals, using all the levers and knobs and indicators. He would be in full control all of the time. That's the transformation process. Too often we like to keep a hold of the steering wheel. Perhaps we allow Jesus to to take control, to do an awkward parallel park maneuver or something like that. But quickly we, we take back, we take a grip of the steering wheel immediately after that, after that. So how do we allow Jesus to have more control in our lives? How do we continue to live out the righteousness of God by faith? How do we grasp what's our responsibility and what's God's? And how do we ensure that we don't short circuit God's power in our lives? My daughter Annie is learning to play the piano and she'll say to me that she really wants to get better at it. And her desire is admirable, but just thinking about it and even just telling me about it, that's not going to change her piano playing ability, sure it's not. What does she need? She needs a teacher a leader, someone to learn from, somewhere to someone to show her what to do, someone to follow. She needs to practice. Oh, she needs to practice. Actually putting her fingers on the keys and bit by bit putting into action what she's learning. It'll not sound great to begin with, but with continued practice, with continued effort, it will inevitably improve. She also needs support others to encourage her, to believe in her, to journey with her, to cajole her into practicing. <laughs> Can you see the similarities to living by faith? Jesus is our teacher, our leader. God's word, his, his living word, which we're looking at right now, instructs us as to righteous living. Practice is actually following Jesus leading in faith. Faith is that act of complete trust in him, in his leading and his power, and therefore a renouncing of any other supports that may be there. Faith is actually doing stuff. It's disruptive, it's risky, it's uncomfortable, it's being vulnerable. Faith like that flies in the face of popular culture, which encourages safety, comfort, security. Culture urges us to be independent, self-sufficient, and self-assured, doesn't it? And whilst clearly countercultural, this process of living by faith is the only way, the only way that we find the wonderful freedom and the joyous growth that God desires for each of us. So what does it look like for you and me? Where specifically can we grow in faith? What does that practice look like for you and for me. A good place to start it is, is with what we already have. We all have time, energy and money. So we can ask God, what does it look like to increase our faith and our stewardship 
and our use of them. So perhaps as you listen to God, you'll hear him prompt you about a relationship that isn't as it should be. He's asking you to trust him in faith, to take a step towards reconciliation, to use your time and energy, hard though that may be, in his strength, he's asking you to take your step of faith. Perhaps as you listen to God, you'll hear him prompt you <clears throat> to trust him to spend more of your time with those who are lonely or, or those even who are prisoners or perhaps people who are refugees. He will prompt your mind to see people who need to be loved, who need to be listened to. And that that's stepping out of our comfort zone, isn't it? But it's doing so at the prompting of God. It's doing so in his power. And yes, of course, it requires our steps of faith. Perhaps you'll hear God prompt you to trust him that you can live on 50 pounds less every month and that that money actually can be gifted elsewhere for his glory to make an eternal difference in the lives of, of other people. Perhaps you'll hear God prompt you to be proactive in provoking conversations with friends, with family, with colleagues about what really matters in life. Taking a step of faith to, to be intentional, proactive in, in those conversations. That's just a few examples. I guarantee you that if you listen to God, he will, he will prompt you and he will show you where your faith can be increased. And yes, it will be disruptive, but it will be freeing and you will grow in your faith and dependence on him. What would that look like for all of us to increase those steps of faith as we're at the, uh, the outset of a, of a new year? What would it look, to, look like for us to do all of that together? And with the support of communities round about us to tell those stories, to be accountable, to pray for each other and with each other and and so bit by bit to see that faith increase and see that transformation in our lives occur. As we go back to the passage, we see what happens as a result of that freedom and growth whenever that comes uh, from a life that's lived in faith. They, that is the oaks of righteousness, that's what we read, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Through our faith and in God's power, we become conduits for his ongoing work of transformation in others. Isn't that incredible? And can you see the sequence there? Can you see the different responsibilities? Jesus died for us and provides forgiveness and deliverance. And by faith, we accept and embrace and acknowledge that. God wants to continually transform us into the likeness of Jesus. And by faith, we, bit by bit, relinquish control of our lives to him, allowing our lives to become a display of his glory. God uses the overflow of the transformation in our lives to affect transformation in others. It's all God's instigation. It's all his power at work. Our part, and we really do have a part, is to live by faith and keep on living by faith. Take those steps 
that are initially uncomfortable, that are risky, that are disruptive. Take those steps and see that God is with us. Take those steps that enable us to grow, that enable us to grow in our dependence upon him. And as we consider our, our all-in commitment together, following Jesus has to be the starting point, doesn't it? We listen to his voice. We obey him. We step out in faith, risky though that is. We relinquish control and we welcome his transformation. And then, then we will be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting for the display of his glory. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for what you've said to each of us today, for the promptings that are even starting. And Father, we want to step out in faith. We want to do so in your strength and with your power. We know that we've got a part. We know that obedience and stepping out is what we've got to do. And we thank you for your, your trust in us to be part of your rescue plan here in Edinburgh in 2021. And so we give ourselves to you to be part of that. We know that we'll fall short, but we know that you are merciful. We know that you will pick us up. So give us the strength, we pray, to step out. Show us individually where it is that you would have us do that. Show us collectively too the specific calling you have on us as, as church at this time. But again, we just thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your desire to continually transform us into the likeness of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.